I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. In fact, coming up in January, and towards the end of January, is the annual Wisconsin Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Growers Conference. Hmm. Right here in Wisconsin for these Wisconsin growers. And it will be held this year virtually as well as in person. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And so we have with us the organizer, Anna Maynor, uh, who's on the line with us this morning to tell us about what this conference is all about, who attends, what they'll find out. Anna, thanks for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to tell your folks about our upcoming conference. Well, let's, let's go a little bit into your background, though. You've been involved in... This sector, whether it's berries or grapes or apples, uh, well, for numbers of decades. My gosh, I was taking a look at some of your background, Anna. You certainly come to this this conference with a, a, a lot of great um, history because you currently, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you are president of the Wisconsin Grape Growers Association? Yes, I'm executive director of the Grape Growers, of the Winery Association, of the Apple Growers Association. So, um, and, and in fact, um, my daughter runs the Vegetable Growers Association and the Berry Growers Association and the Tourism Association, <laughs> Agricultural Tourism Association. So we are a fresh market, vegetable, value-added group, family. So. Man, have you got your roots in this. Uh, and for a long period of time, so I'm so glad that you're bringing that kind of experience and passion, especially to this effort. So you've got the, the conference coming up January 25th, and that's going to be held at the Kalahari Resorts in Wisconsin Dells. Tell us, who, should, who will be attending this kind of a conference? Well, in a normal year, which we all know 2020 hasn't been very normal, but in a normal year we get 700 to 800 commercial growers from all across the Midwest who come and usually come for a three-day conference. We spend three days together. And because the produce industry, the value-added agriculture industry, excuse me, I have a frog too, is so diverse We bring all these groups together so that if they're interested in maybe starting a pumpkin patch in their apple orchard, they can go to the vegetable session and learn about that. Mm. If they want to do berries in June along with their grape harvest in the fall, they can they can cross pollinate and they can go and learn about these other areas. So um, this has been a conference that has brought growers together from all across the state for education and for networking. So when we say commercial growers, you know, I just mentioned a little earlier that 
30 tomato plants to me was like my limit. Um, what size operations are we talking about? Does it vary? It really does vary, and it varies by the produce that you're growing. Um, you know, if you're an apple orchard, we usually consider if you have 20 acres of apples, that's probably a full-time job for mm. one person. Um, but that all varies by the um, product. But we consider commercial somebody who's producing a product that they are then going to sell to consumers. The state of Wisconsin considers you a farm if you sell $1,000 of product in a year. So anybody who's trying to sell um, commercially their produce is welcome to come to this conference. I mean, we have people who come who just have gardens, too, because they want to learn a little bit more, or maybe they're thinking about in retirement, they're going to expand what they've been doing. And uh, so we do get those. But um, anybody who, you know, even if you're going to do that pumpkin patch in the fall and you're going to put the wagon out by the end of the road, you know, you may want to come and learn how to best grow your pumpkins. And this is the place to do that. You know, one of the, the things that you just mentioned that has really kind of uh, piqued my interest is the fact that there's such opportunity for diversity. So you talked about the apple grower who might want to do a pumpkin patch or somebody who's in berries that might be thinking of doing something else. Is that something that you see a lot of, this kind of um, adventurous nature amongst these uh, growers? Uh, yes, um, especially the last few years. Um, it's kind of amazing in this year of the pandemic, the berry growers were way up in sales. Apple orchards were way up in sales because people wanted to get out into the outdoors and try something different. And I want to say wholesome, healthy, mm. safe with their families. Um, but when I got started in this industry, like 20 years ago, people were kind of specializing you know, oh, I'm only going to grow apples and I'm going to learn how to grow apples the best that I can. But as, as the popularity of people going out to the farm kind of went down, growers decided that they had to diversify so that they could get people there in the spring, in the summer, and in the fall. And that's where this egg tourism really took off um, because businesses found, gee, if people may come out once to pick apples, but maybe they'll come out several times if we have a corn maze or if we have some sort of playground or petting zoo or something like that. So we, over the last, I'd say, you know, 15, 10 to 15 years, I've really seen a change where growers are diversifying. It's to help their bottom line, mm. um, their profit. It's to increase their customer base. Um I, you know, different growers do it for different reasons, but it really is becoming a popular way to manage your farm. Question, Anna, do you think that um, Wisconsin is in a kind of good position as far as these various um, commercial growers, these berries and fruits and grape and wine uh, growers, do you think we're kind of in a favored position because our farms have always tended to be a little bit smaller? Yes, I think we are. Some of these specialized operations, you know, don't need near the acreage that 
like you had mentioned, you're in the cattle business. Well, the cattle business needs acreage. I grew up on a dairy farm. You know, you couldn't operate unless you had 200 acres because you had to have a place to put manure. You had to have a place to um, grow hay or oats or whatever you were feeding your livestock. But you can get by. You can have a very uh, life-supporting operation if you're into diverse vegetables with small acreage, 10 acres. 15 acres, less than that, um, you can have an operation that can support you and your family. So uh, I think that has made it very popular. Ah, I was wondering about that because I know that, that having a, a, a such a um, wide range of small-scale farms as far as acreage goes has, has tended to be an advantage and a... Uh, an advantage that we're actually becoming more and more appreciative of as time goes on. So you've got the, the, the conference now both virtual and in person for this year because of the challenges that been, have been posed by COVID. So what, what kinds of um, talks, what kinds of panels will this year's uh, attendee be able to choose from? So there's going to be um, three educational tracks that will run simultaneously, and both our online and our in-person attendees can rotate between those tracks. So um, as I said, we were normally a three-day conference, and we're going to a one-day conference. And so in the morning on the 25th, we're going to have a track that's going to cover grapes, one that's going to cover apples and one that's going to cover vegetables. So for the um, online participant, they're going to have three links to those three different rooms, and they'll see the schedules and be able to pick. So like in the grape room, we're going to have um, discussions, well, actually in all the rooms, we're going to have discussions that are both, what I want to say, they're from extension or university personnel um, who are going to talk about their research, um, what they've learned from the scientific end of it. Mm. And then you're also going to have the practical talks where you're actually going to hear from growers who are going to talk, you know, the, and sometimes we even group them together. So, for example, in the grape track, we're going to have a professional who's going to talk about trellising systems and what they've learned from the research about which trellising system you should use. But then we're going to follow that up with some growers who are going to talk about the practicality of those trellising systems in their operation in Wisconsin. Mm. So even though the research, we find this sometimes, you know, Wisconsin is unique. We all know that Wisconsin is unique, that sometimes things that research shows, maybe research that's been done in New York or, or in the case of apples in Washington State or someplace like that, that research really plays to that geographic part of the United States. Whereas when you bring that to Wisconsin, you really have to do the on-farm practical discussions about what worked and didn't work here. And so we try to get a blend of that in our conference so people can see both the scientific side and the practical side. Got it. So what are some of the top issues going into this conference? I mean, let's let's put COVID aside for just a second because we'll talk about that a little bit more. But what are some of the other kind of big issues that 
um, are of interest to fruit and vegetable growers? Well, you know, we always have the basics of bugs and diseases and cultural practices, knowledge that we've learned. Um, and, and so we always have those. But a lot of people are looking at profitability. And like I said, talking about coronavirus, we'd, if we set that aside, it affected profitability this year. Mm-hmm. And for many of these people, it was positive because more people came out to the farm. So there's going to be discussions about how do we take what we learned this year uh, on the safety end of it, on the uh, production end of it, on the dealing with larger numbers of people coming to our operations, how do we take that information and move that into 2021 and 2022 to keep profitability as high as we can have it? Mm. Um, so there's a lot of talk about reducing expenses. How can you do something more efficiently, more economically, and then improving opportunities for consumers to support your individual business? So there's things on marketing, things on production, things on regular business planning um, that helps you best utilize what's available to you. Got it. Got it. Well, let's let's go and move into COVID because obviously that was a big one uh, for almost any business, any individual, any family this year. How is that going to be addressed during this conference? Well, a lot of the groups are addressing that. And I say groups because, as I said, each of these sections relate to a different group of producers. A lot of them are going to talk about what did we do during COVID? How did we, um, oh, this word's been really overused, but how did we pivot (laughs) to um, address the safety concerns? You know, so a lot of them invested in no contact checkout where people check themselves out. If you went and picked berries, you weighed them yourselves, it told you how much it was and you just paid rather than having someone else handle your produce or weigh it for you. Um, there were different ways that they, they handled that. And so now going forward, and I really don't know, Sylvia, I don't know how much things are going to go back to pre COVID, mm. you know, I mean, I don't know how much of, I think there's going to be some of these safety issues that stick. Yes. You know, like contactless paying and things like that. So a lot of the groups are talking about, like, for example, in the vegetable room, they're going to talk about what worked and what didn't. What safety measures did they try that worked? What things did they implement at the farmer's market that seemed to work or didn't seem to work? Meaning not work in that it didn't really efficiently used the farmer's time or didn't really um, help consumers feel comfortable. You know, so they're going to try to talk about now what did each of us do and which of what do we think is the best practice so that next year we can all adopt that. So that is one of the things. But practically every session is talking about um, something that was impacted by COVID. One of them, the grape growers, are going to be talking about hiring seasonal labor. Mm. Uh, A lot of these groups have to hire seasonal labor. And that was hard this year um, because uh, just 
people not wanting to be by people, um, even though a lot of these, the work is outside or maybe inside a market or something. Um, so there's going to be concerns and, and talks about that. What things worked in the, in the tourism industry? What trends did we see? In, and how will those trends change? What, what worked? What didn't? Um, so the winery people, they're talking about how do you recover from COVID? The wineries were kind of like a restaurant in that they had to shift to curbside pickup. Um, they had to work on case clubs, getting people to get their, their wine through the mail. Um, and some of them were very successful in making that transition to a more remote sort of product delivery. And so um, this conference is kind of, because, you know, we already had our conference last year before COVID hit. And so this conference is kind of, what did we learn this year and how can we move forward? Right, right. So I'm suspecting that there are numbers of people who are listening to us right now and, uh, and they're wondering, man, where do I go to find out more about this conference? Where could I print out, you know, the, the schedule? How do I find out more? Uh, where can they go? You go to a website called freshfruitvegetable.org. Freshfruitvegetable.org. And you'll see a schedule there of all the sessions. Um, you can look at exhibitors because we do have exhibitors that are going to be coming in person and virtually as well. And uh, you can look and see who's, who's not all the speakers are plugged in here yet because some of them are um, farmers or, or the like. But you can certainly look at the schedule and see what the topics are going to be and um, see if there's something there that interests you. Got it. Now, you mentioned that there, there, there are three tracks, there are three rooms. Now, uh, let's say, as often happens when I go to a conference, I have a conflict. Oh, my gosh, I really want to look, listen to this particular presentation. But there's a one in another room that I really want to get information about as well. Will your uh, conference be recorded? And if I'm a paying participant, can I have access to some of those other presentations? That is what is so amazing. You know, we don't think very many good things came out of coronavirus, but it does make organizations and delivery systems look at options. So all 24 hours, because we're in three rooms um, all day long, all 24 hours is going to be recorded. So if you register for online or in person, you can go visit the one that you want and then go home and look at any of the other 24 hours of programming that you want to. So it is really a way for you to get access to everything at the conference, which has never been possible before. Boy, that is a plus. That is a plus. Well, let me, let's get down to that tourism portion of it. And I'll be, uh, you know, truth in, in, uh, in, in uh, news here, I am one of the speakers um, that will be on the tourism track and so happy for this opportunity. So how important has agritourism become to, to uh, growers over the years? Well, agritourism has kind of enveloped the whole uh, business because whether you're 
you know, going to put a wagon at the end of your um, driveway heaped high with vegetables, there's still some aspect of tourism in that. You still need to have people that stop at your farm. Or if you go to a farmer's market, you have to know how to set up your produce and set up your space so that it's appealing to today's consumers. But what agritourism has grown into beyond that, um, the last decade or so, even more than last decade, is people are no longer connected to agriculture as they did maybe, you know, a generation ago when everybody had somebody who was living on a farm or operating a farming operation. Now people don't have that. Many people don't have that. And so um, they want, are searching for some way to connect back to the place that provides their food. Mm -hmm. And what agritourism has done is given consumers more than just the reason to go there to maybe uh, uh, buy, buy apples or something. Now they can go and they can have a hayride. They can walk through a corn maze. They can play on the apple go-round. They can um, pet the animals in the petting zoo. So agritourism not only has provided a profitable enterprise for businesses, because we all know uh, any type of um, retail that you look at, the longer you can keep people in the store, the more they're apt to purchase. And so what this does is it brings people to the farm and helps people stay at the farm and try out these different things, spend the whole day rather than just going and picking up a, a peck of apples, you can go and spend the whole day. Um, and I think that has really helped improve the bottom line for these producers. And, you know, producers stay in business because they have to make a living. And if they don't make a living, they can't stay in business. So agritourism has, for many businesses, been that piece of the puzzle that has really allowed them to be profitable. Mm. Um, it allows them to grow the produce they want to grow, but then be profitable. So agritourism is very, very important. And then we haven't even touched on, you know, using agriculture venues for special events, whether that be a wedding, whether that be a family reunion, whether that be a picnic in the vineyard with your family, you know, just for a Sunday outing or something. Um, these opportunities have become very popular for, for people. Um, they want to, even, you know, before COVID was telling us we had to stay apart and, and be outside, people like the idea of being outside and um, experience more of Wisconsin's rural side. And so it's become very popular for a venue as well. Yes. You know, that makes me think of a... Um a, a winery that is still growing and growing just about all oh, 15 miles from where our studio is here in, in Amory, Wisconsin. And one of the things that went in along with the rows and rows and rows of beautiful wine grapes was a water feature, a fountain. 
and next to it was a gazebo. Mm-hmm. And it was crossed by a bridge. Mm-hmm. And that's all about events. It's all about events. That's all about about the beautiful wedding photo. That's all about the graduation photo. That's about the family reunion photo. And it just makes sense. It really does make sense. Because a farm is such a beautiful, hopeful, growing, positive kind of backdrop uh, to so many of the important events in people's lives. So it was really really wonderful to see how various kinds of... um, outdoor settings were incorporated into a vineyard yes yes and it's 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 something especially you know this summer when um, people needed to stay outside wineries had the opportunity to have the outside seating so where some restaurants were um, confined they didn't have an opportunity for that Many of the wineries could expand out, outside, and some are even putting up igloos and things like that for the winter with little fire pits that people can still come and rent. So they're, they're continuing that whole idea of a special experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Dave Corbett, as you listen to this, what, what comes to mind? One of the things that I was kind of curious about, we talked a little bit about commercial growers and uh, and people growing in their backyard. Would this be a good opportunity for somebody who's maybe not involved in vegetable growing at all, but thinking about uh, developing a commercial operation, maybe a CSA? Is this a good opportunity for them? This is a great opportunity for them, not just for the sessions, which they can look at the sessions and see, you know, we've got things on tomato management and we've got things on um, pumpkin management and things like that, if, which is two of the things that a lot of people go into first if they're going to turn commercial. But it's the networking. It's finding other people who are doing what you're interested in and making connections and uh, learning from them and visiting. When, when I talk to new people who call and say, I want to get into this. How do I get into this? I say, visit as many places as you can. Meet as many people that are doing what you do as you can. Talk with them and chat with them and ask them what the pros are and ask them what the cons are. And as you build that relationship, you're going to sh- they're going to share and you're going to learn more about um, how to do this. So I would say, yes, people should look at what the topics are, see if if it's what they're looking in, in their wheelhouse, and and we'd welcome them. Oh, that's terrific. Anna, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Can you again give us that website if people are interested in, in taking a look at your schedule, the, the speakers, and to register? Sure. It's freshfruitvegetable.org. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.